and we declare that you are Lord over our hearts, Lord over our minds, and the Lord over this meeting. I pray, Lord, that your name is glorified and every person's vision becomes more and more clear so that they may know how to walk with you truly in their heart and in their mind. We love you, Jesus, and we pray for your grace, your spirit of grace, to strengthen us more and more so that we may fulfill our purpose on earth. We love you, Lord, but you first loved us. Thank you for your obedience at the cross that allows us to be free. We thank you, God the Father, because Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them to me. Thank you, Father, for choosing us as your sons and daughters. And thank you for listening us into your family. We belong to you. And it's an honor to walk with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful worship. Thank you to Mary and Therese. We can just clap for that worship. Hallelujah. Beautiful. Yes, right. That's it, it's better. <laughs> How are we all today? Amen. So the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week about what to share. Thank God. He showed me he showed me Jesus' greatest struggle on earth. His greatest struggle with his disciples on earth. And he wants me to share it with you. <clears throat> now, if you were to think as a believer... Many people know here that Jesus is their Savior. Amen? If you would like to know what was Jesus' greatest struggle on earth, what do you think it would be? Think about it in your hearts and reflect upon it in your own hearts. What do you think Jesus' greatest struggle on earth was regarding his disciples? Think about it. Jesus is your Savior. That's for heaven. What do you think Jesus' greatest task on earth was? Or his greatest challenge that he had with his disciples? So we're, we're, moving, a, we're moving an extra step now. <coughs> The majority of the people here, they know that Jesus is Lord over their lives, Savior. And we're moving that extra step, and I share my heart with you. What do you think Jesus' greatest struggle on earth was? Anyone? Unbelief, faith, 
that's it. Uh, lack of understanding for the kingdom. Yeah, you're close. Jesus' greatest struggle on earth with his disciples was lack of commitment. Jesus' greatest heart's desire for his disciples was for them to be committed to him. Because the person that has a committed heart, he can work with the rest. It's true. So the greatest principle for spiritual health, it's a committed heart. Because he can cleanse, he can work, he can rectify, he can restore a committed heart. Because that person has the vision of where he's going. Amen? Let's read a scripture. We'll go first to we'll go first to Luke chapter. No, we'll go to we'll go to Luke chapter fourteen, verse twenty-five to thirty-five. So the Holy Spirit I had a different message planned, which was not so close to this, but the Holy Spirit wanted me to preach about a committed heart. So let's go to Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 35. Let's have a read. <clears throat> now we're beginning to speak about the anointing and speaking about the kingdom of God. Yes? Yes. Now look at the topic. With every promotion from God, there is a test. And today I'll speak about <laughs> today I'll speak about how I got tested. And I'll share my heart with you today. <clears throat> there is a test. To be a true disciple of Christ, there is a test. But it's also there's also a distinction between a true believer and a false believer. Because many can believe, but once we are tested, it determines where we stand. Like the world, or like Christ. So let's have a read. Now large crowds were going along with Jesus. Now Jesus is addressing who? He's addressing, not the disciples, he's addressing everyone. And he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, in the sense of indifference to a relative disregard for them, in the comparison with his attitude towards God, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow after me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a watchtower, 
for his guards. You know that I spent many weeks on the watchtower. It's interesting that Jesus puts this word. Does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to finish it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is unable to finish the building, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one who is coming against him with 20,000? Or else, if he feels he is not powerful enough, while the other king is still at a far distance away, he sends an envoy and asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not carefully consider the cost and then for my sake give up all his own possessions. Now it's interesting. It's interesting here what clashes with the kingdom of God. You begin to have a clear picture and an indication of the greatest distraction that clashes to be a disciple of Christ. Can you see that word there in the bottom? His own possessions. And that can be a thing of your heart, a thing of your mind, and a physical thing. But you begin to see what, blo what blocks the multitudes for God not to use those people to be enlisted in the kingdom of God. Now it's interesting because I'd like to sh share something regarding this. Now, <laughs> now the Holy Spirit, he told me that I'm, not, that I'm not to do this in secret. I am to do this in front of the church. And can I share my heart with you? The Holy Spirit's real. He's God, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said for me to do this in front of the church because the rest will follow. He said to me to do this in front of the church because the rest will follow. He spoke to me in the beginning of the year of what's to come. <clears throat> As a reward for my obedience to Him. And the truth is it's all for Him. And, and, and it's a delight to walk with Him and to be a vessel for Him. But the truth be told, when Jesus said, do you want to turn, do you want to turn away from me and follow them? And I said to Jesus, where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. That is the truth. It's only his word. It's the only thing that will stand for eternity is his word. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I've been challenged many times regarding the possessions of my own heart or the things that I set my mind on. And it's interesting because in the house of God, he begins, he begins with the leaders. He begins with their hearts. And I share with you. And this is not to, this is not to put myself on a pedestal. This is to explain the process for the kingdom. Now everyone knows Jesus the Savior, I believe, in this place. But this is kingdom principles. This is to be 
used in the anointing of God. Now it's interesting, for <clears throat> three times now, the Lord told me to release my vans, give my vehicles to people. And I was obedient. I was obedient. The Holy Spirit told me to release my vans in the last four to five years to different people. The voice, the voice is what I look for. Because there's no security in a voice, it's trust. And it's interesting how the Holy Spirit speaks in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of challenges, he speaks. And it's not that he wants you to give something away, it's all about trust. That's the main reason why the Holy Spirit speaks, to trust God. So, I'd like to share something <clears throat> from me to use. So other than Christ and my family, other than Christ and my family, probably the closest thing to me would be my four-wheel drive. <laughs> so other than Christ and my family, there's something that I can just jump in and get away, go to the farm or go fishing, is my four-wheel drive. It's been my pride and joy for six years. And the Lord knows my heart. And I've never questioned whether he'll get me to give it up or he'll get me to hold on to it. All I question is that when he speaks, I have the obedience to do it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me when I'm worshipping here. And he said to me, your obedience is another person's joy. He said, your obedience is another person's joy. He wants me to see the fruit of giving. Or he wants me to see the fruit of releasing something. And that is the truth. That Jesus on the cross is another person's joy. My giving, your giving, is another person's joy. And I want you to understand this before I release this car. Now, the Holy Spirit told me to release this car to a person in my ministry. And I do this as an example, a benchmark of what we are to be for Christ. Now, I heard his voice three times. And he told me to give my land cruiser, my youth, to a person in these Bible studies. And I shared this with you because I do it joyfully before the Lord. But if there's anything, <laughs> if there's anything that the Lord would, would hit a nerve in my heart, would be this car. <laughs> so Leroy, come up here. I'm going to share something. <laughs> My giving is another person's joy. 
this is the only reason why I'm reacting like this. It's not about the money. It's not about the car. I don't know what he's struggling in his heart. I don't know what he's going through. Whether he decides to keep this car or he sells it, he's not obliged. The Holy Spirit told me to tell him this. The Holy Spirit told me to tell him, whatever you choose to do with the car, you're not obliged to keep it or sell it. It's your decision. But I release it to you and what the Holy Spirit told me to do for you. Yeah, you come to my house this week and we'll sign over the papers. Yeah. Bless you. I love you, bro. That's it. You can sit down. I want to encourage you. I know why the Holy Spirit told me. And it's not so much that I idolize this car. It's about where God wants to take me. And I know where God's taking me. And I'm, if he spoke to me in the beginning, I probably, I don't know what I've done. But he's brought me to this place now where I can easily let go of things. Because the one who speaks, I love him greater. And the greatest test the greatest test you have against the things who is your opponent, your security, your comfort. <laughs> you will be convicted for what I just done. But I've never said anything in front of people what I've done. But the Holy Spirit told me this is for the church as well. But it comforted my heart to know the secret of giving. That your obedience is another person's joy. Whether they have food, whether they're having bills they can't pay. I don't know what he's going through. But your giving, your obedience is another person's joy. Is another person's answered prayer. Is another, person, another person's worship towards God. I want you to see it like this. Because really... God gave it to him. <laughs> God gave it to him. He will see God in a greater way now. He will see God in a greater way. That he cares about the secrets that he's struggling with. That I don't know about. But I'm just allowing you to understand how God answers someone. It's an honor to give, but I'm really doing that unto God. And I challenge you to open your heart. God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. But most of all, there's always an opponent. There's always an opposition. And what was the opposition for the kingdom? They wanted to hold on to what they have. <laughs> it's the truth. I can hear so easily for people. God spoke to six people here before the meeting. But when God speaks to you individually regarding this, He wants to be greater in you. 
I told you the anointing is coming. The power of God's coming. The truth in the power of God's coming. And it demands God to be the author of your soul. The author of your spirit. And the way you know this is what you have trained yourself to be. Your comfort, your security, your joy. Christ wants to be that place. You understand that? Jesus Christ wants to be that person in you. Because I can't hold on to a voice. It's trust. And I share something with you. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, I thought about it for six weeks. This is the only thing that I've thought about that took me that long. <laughs> and real, it was deep to my heart, but, but, I, but I, love, I love someone greater. And I share this with you as an example of what Christ has for the one who's willing to obey his voice. And it's a beautiful thing. I encourage you to understand the principle of the kingdom. He found that kingdom. He went and he sold everything that he had to purchase this one. Now, it doesn't mean God wants me to live in lack. It means that God wants me to trust him. It's different. And I've seen God work in miraculous ways. And to be part of that, I encourage you to open your hearts. And this is the level of faith that I've entered, that I am willing to go all the way for the Lord. I've counted the cost. And some people probably never thought about that. Some people think Jesus is an idea in your mind. But truly, if there's something that Jesus wants, all of you. Now I can, I can have so much knowledge and I can preach about all the scriptures. What matters the most when the voice comes, I obey. Because when the voice comes, there is promotion. Promotion in what way? To see him greater in your spirit. That's promotion. Because when you see him greater in your own spirit, you see yourself lesser. And that way the Holy Spirit has reigns over you. You understand that? So you see with the kingdom, what is the kingdom? Gospel of repentance, to make disciples, to operate in the power. What stands in your way? Your own possessions, your security, your comfort. And I'm telling you, you will not see until you get to that place. Someone will say to me, why hasn't God challenged me like that? Most likely it's because he knows that you will not. My prayer many years ago was, prepare me, Lord. Prepare everything in me to obey you. Prepare me in every way. So I, can so I can say yes to the call of God and yes to everything you ask me to do. And I testify now, everything the Lord's asked me to do, I've been quick to obey. I've been quick to obey. 
and I looked back and I made a decision. Are you going to have regrets? If you hold on to this car, are you going to have regrets? Now really, it's not the car that God was dealing with. It was my security. It was my comfort. So I encourage you to understand that when you come to Christ, it's a teaching. It's a discipleship. It's a, it's a place where he mentors you. I really want you to understand this. The second, the second van, the first van. <laughs> the first van that the Lord told me to give, this was so beautiful. They gathered 30 people in the city. They didn't have vans. They didn't have a van to, to drive around um, all the food to feed the homeless in the city. And my work just broke out seven years. Seven years? Seven years ago. My work broke out, and by the grace of God, the blessing started to come. And I already had a van, and I, I had to purchase another van for my business. I'm a plumber. And I purchased this van, not a dent, not a scratch. Not a dent, not a scratch. It was sparkling inside out. So I'm driving, so I'm driving this car. <laughs> I'm driving this car and I'm saying, thank you, Jesus, for blessing my company. Thank you, Jesus. And I heard a voice, give your van to Rick's Wag. <laughs> And I want to tell you something. It's a privilege to work for Christ. There are workers in the kingdom, and you're working in Christ, whatever, however he chooses to deal with me in, in, the, in the sense of blessings, it's up to him. But I can tell you now, the greatest blessing is to see him greater. Because when you see him greater, there's no more wrestle inside of you. There's no more war inside of your members. And that's, that's the place that God wants to bring everyone. So I just want to share with you. I got home. He said, give your van to this man. So I met him through Pastor Tony. And I had another van. And it was scratched and it had dings. And he said, give, give that van. Give him like the clean van to the guy. And um, and and I called him and I said, me and Pastor Tony went and met him. And um, he said this to me. He said, last night, me and the homeless people gathered in the city and we prayed to the Lord to give us a van so we can take all the food around and feed all the people. And God came to a person who will say yes. God came to a person who will say yes. And I've been challenged just like you. In, any, in every way you can think. But my reply is yes. Prepare me, Lord. Help me. And I do my part in, in the kingdom of God. In discipline. 
in God dealing with me in every sense, but I want to be a faithful servant. And look all those people that are benefiting from me saying yes, but it's really God that's answering. I'm just part of his blessing. And all the people now, they've went to Orange, they went to Bathurst, they went to all the country feeding Aboriginal people, bringing hampers to thousands just because one person said yes. And someone will say to me, why doesn't Jesus ask me? It's because he knows you will say no. <clears throat> See, a lot of people don't understand that a voice doesn't come without preparation. How you prepare your heart. And if the Holy Spirit came to me three years ago to give my land cruiser to this man, I don't know what I've said if I was to tell you the truth. I don't know. But now in a heartbeat, I'm willing. Why? What did I focus on? I kept my eyes on Christ, but I also kept my eyes on my heart. I kept my eyes on allowing the Holy Spirit to discipline me, cleanse me and work on me. So when the voice does come, it can bear a fruit. And really, it's God's way of blessing you. Because you're letting go of your sense of security, your control, your way of doing life. I share with you. For me, the most important thing that is so precious to me is the voice. Because he teaches me how to read. He teaches me what to do. He reveals Jesus to me. And when he said this to me on the table, I had to get up and write it. Your giving is another person's joy. And it's the truth. Jesus had that heart that he couldn't leave someone without giving them what they need. And what did they need? Deliverance, healing. And that was what attracted the Holy Spirit to come upon that person. So you can minister healing, so you can minister deliverance, so you can minister in the Holy Spirit. It's called compassion. And I share with you what attracts the Holy Spirit. If you have this heart to see other people blessed, to see other people get out of their problems, to see other people comforted when they're in trouble, that's what attracts the Holy Spirit and the kingdom. Do you have this heart? Because if you don't have this heart, the voice will not come. And it's the truth. A lot of people ask me, why do you hear so clearly from the Holy Spirit? And I tell you, that's my heart. I love to see people blessed. And I'll do anything in, my, in, in the grace that God's given me to get their prayers answered. And someone would say, what's the deepest What's the deepest and the highest level of prayer? You know, the Holy Spirit showed me the deepest. I'll just play with it. The deepest and the highest level of prayer. You know what it is? Intercessory. You know who had that gift? Paul. The Holy Spirit showed me the deepest level of prayer is an intercessor. Because... That is the greatest thing that's hidden, but it's great to God.
You understand that? Because what are you doing? You're looking at the interests of others rather than yourself. Intercessory is praying for someone else to get healed, restored, delivered, healed. You see, that's the heart of Christ. Jesus had that heart. Paul had that heart. And today I'll share with you truth. If you pray in secret without anyone knowing for your brothers and sisters that are here, God promotes you. Today the issue people want to be seen. People want them to know what they're doing for God. And God will let you shine. God will let you be the light. But it's always in secret. Say, so show me the highest level of prayer. There was many prayers that dealt with your heart, dealt with discipline of God, dealt with the cleansing of God, the purification. But he showed me the highest level of a prayer that a believer is mature, intercessory. So a person would say, Lord, I want to be used for your kingdom. You don't have a heart to pray for people that are asking you to pray. You don't have a hunger to pray for others that are struggling. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've been fasting and praying and the Holy Spirit shows me faces that are struggling. And what they need and what they're going through. In the beginning it got so intense that when people called me and they were struggling, this is in the early stages of my journey, I was feeling what they were feeling. And the Holy Spirit said, the greatest way you can pray is when you feel what they're feeling. Someone will think, you're off. But the Holy Spirit will show me that when you're in a struggle of that sort, you will not stop praying. And he showed me this is how you co-labor with him in the spirit. I'm not saying you're meant to feel their pain. But this is what the Holy Spirit allowed me to understand. What was it? He was wanting me to understand their burdens. The Bible tells you to carry each other's burdens. In that way you fulfill the law of Christ. What's the greatest way you can carry someone's burdens? Praying for them. That's how you actually get them out of their problems, is when you pray for them. You know, Paul asked for the same thing. And a lot of people ask me, okay, how can I enter into this dimension of the kingdom? That's, that's, that is the key. A, a selfish person focuses on himself. Pampers himself. But a person who's true looks at the interests of others. Now this means I've been hurt inside the body. I've been attacked inside of the body. But for the sake of Christ, I chose to keep my heart right. And that is the truth. I've had many people oppose me inside and outside. But for the sake of Christ, I kept my heart clean. Because very easily, people could get entangled in this way. Jesus said, blessed is the one who is not offended for my name's sake. So you face many challenges many dangers, many arrows from the enemy to be used by God. But are you willing for the sake of Christ to keep your heart clean?
So who's the person that wants to be enlisted in the kingdom? Who wants to be used for God? Because I tell you now, you'll be tested. You'll be challenged. You'll be tested and challenged to see what's really in your heart. But I tell you something, it's so rewarding when you see people get saved, when you see people get blessed because of your obedience, when you see God answering them through your obedience, it's a blessing. But that's who we all are in Christ. Every one of us here. We are called to be this reflection, ambassadors of Christ. So there is a mystery that attracts God's voice. It's called compassion. You know, compassion is so powerful that it attracts the gift of healing. Jesus was led with compassion to heal. A lot of people say, how do I operate in the gift of healing? It's a compassion that you see those people like your own children suffering. You have to go out of your way to comfort them. So a lot of people say, teach me how I can understand this. The Holy Spirit taught me this. The Holy Spirit taught me this. Let's go to prophecy now. Prophecy. The Holy Spirit showed me that the gift of prophecy is to edify the church. Let's say you have a need to see people in the body edified and built up. You attract the gift of prophecy. You attract the Holy Spirit to see their hearts to help them get out of their problems. You understand that? And where does it all come back to? The interests of others rather than yourself. It all comes back to that. The interests of others rather than yourself. What's the interest of yourself? I'm offended. I deserve to be treated better. I'm hurt. I deserve to be treated better. But for the sake of Christ, you keep your heart right. You begin to see how the Holy Spirit begins to birth the kingdom of God inside of you. Now let's say you say, let's say you say, I don't care for others yet. I don't have the heart to care for the needs of others outside of my family. Yeah, I started the same way. I said, Lord Jesus, I don't have a care for your family yet. I told him the truth. When I first started my journey, it was all what God can do in me and through me and for me. But as I started to mature, I said to the Lord, I don't have a pure love for your family yet. Can you put it inside of me? I told him. I asked him for a pure love that I can love his family and see the best for them in the Holy Spirit. And you know what happened inside of my spirit? I started to have a hunger to start to help people in the sense of the gospel, building in the way of the Holy Spirit, strengthening them in the Word of God. I started to have a hunger to sit with people and see their needs or see their wants. And you know what happened? The more and more I sat with them, the more and more I sat with them, the Holy Spirit started to show me what's inside to get them out of that place 
whether it's conviction, restoration, deliverance, healing. And he taught me, where does it all come back to? The need for others and not yourself. This is what it comes back to. The heart for people. Jesus was a people's person. Paul was a people's person, especially the church. So I encourage you. I encourage you to open your hearts. So what stands in the in the door of the kingdom? Let's read it. Was it the car that God was interested with regarding what he wanted me to release? No, it's my heart. And it's the truth. Let's read the next scripture. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 and 62. This is interesting, this one. I hope you show me this today. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Do you know that statement? Can we go back? Do you know that statement there? As Paul was preaching, these are the sons of the Most High. You always see that statement there at the front. You see it? Yeah? It's a, type, a typology of Satan. It's like a typology of an of a unbelieving believer, an unbelieving person, or a person of the flesh. You get it? You understand that? Or you, know, you don't. So you hear that statement all throughout the New Testament. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, it's not by the Spirit. These are talking by the flesh. But I'll keep going. I'll follow you wherever you go, you know. You hear that, yeah? Peter, they were all talking by the flesh. Then Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And Jesus told him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another, follow me, accepting me as master and teacher. Now we'll stop here. Now Jesus is showing us now here that first level of a believer is Savior. Now he wants to be your master and your teacher. Now you're not in control of your life anymore. And this is where believers hit a wall because they want to live their own life. Does that make sense? They want to live their own life. They want to control their destiny. Now, this is simple teaching, but it's, but it's very deep. People want to control their destiny. People want to control how they live and how they operate. And here it's saying that he wants to be now master and teacher. But the Lord said, allow me first. Oh, sorry. But he said, Lord, allow me first to go bury my father. Now, can we just stop there for a second? If Jesus was next to me and my father was sick, I would ask him, come heal my dad. Yeah? He doesn't mean this. He doesn't mean this. <laughs> when I was reading this, I paused and I said, no. I said, he was saying, when my dad dies, I, and, and that system of how I was brought up, then I can follow you. You know that? Let's read it again. But he said, follow me, accepting me as master and teacher. Who was his master and teacher? 
his own dad. His own dad was his master and teacher in the sense of what life is about or how he is to value life. Are we understanding? Yes? So here, if Jesus was by my side and my dad's sick, Lord, come heal my dad. I thought to myself, is this guy crazy? Like me, I, this, is this guy crazy? If, he, if Jesus was next to me, I would say, come and heal my father. He doesn't mean that. He said, I'm under the authority of my own father. And here, Lord, allow me first to go and bury my father. He says, once my dad's dead, and that system that I've been brought up in my mind, yeah, it's gone with my father, then I can follow you. So what does that show you? That your whole life of how you were brought up in changes when you come to Christ. And what does that show you? That shows you that that stands as a resistance for you to enter the kingdom of God. It's simple. Keep going. But he said to him, allow the spiritually dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and spread the news about the kingdom of God. Another also said, I'll follow you, Lord, as your disciple. But first let me say goodbye to those at my home. But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, you know what it means to plow a field? I'll say it in a, in a normal sense, a tractor. Imagine a tractor looking back and he's plowing the field. Yeah, he misses out on all the fruits. Meaning, when we look back to our own life, we miss out on all the blessings God's given us to glorify his name on earth. Imagine you in a one line going, plowing all those seeds you planted. All those seeds, one planted, one water, God brings the increase. Imagine you plowing and reaping all those benefits and you're looking back to your old life. You miss out on the call of God over your own life and all the fruits that he has desired for you to do for him. The Bible says the fruits that he's planned for you or the souls that he's planted for you were given before the foundation of the universe. God's planned your life before the foundation of the universe. Who are you going to meet? Who are you going to preach to? But if you look back to your own life, you miss out on all those fruits. So really, what is our greatest opposition? The system of our father? Where was he taught from? The world. That stands in your gap. That stands as your enemy to begin to be his disciple. I will keep going. Oh, that's it. Sorry. Oh, that's it. So you begin to see here, you begin to see here what stands as a wall between you and the kingdom of God. There's a lot of things. Let's read two scriptures. We go to Psalms 37, verse 5. Now, whoever wants to read these chapters to get an understanding of what he's trying to say should read the whole chapter. But I'm just going to put it in one sentence so you can understand where the Holy Spirit's focusing. 
Psalms 37 verse 5. Now there are two things that the Lord wants you to commit to. And Paul speaks about it in the book of Hebrews. Now here, he talks about a lot of, pers a lot of people say, okay, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. What do I do next? Now the Holy Spirit, he showed me this scripture, two of them. From Proverbs 16, I'll read this one first. Look what it says here. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him also, and he will do it. Now here, he's talking about a way. The book of Hebrews speaks about a way. He says that they couldn't enter his rest because they didn't learn his ways. Okay? So this is a major principle in the New Testament of why people are not seeing Christ manifest in their life. They refused to learn his ways and unfortunately they couldn't enter into his rest. So here it's showing us that that word way means the course of your life. We go to Proverbs. Now look here. So the first one was a way, your walk, your journey with Christ. Look here. This one says, commit your works to the Lord. Submit and trust them to him and your plans will succeed if you respond to his will and guidance. Now that word work speaks about your behavior. So one talks about your will, your walk, where you're going, where you're going. One talks about character. I'll read it. So the word work means behavior, things. Talks about behavior, actions, possessions, and labor. Your way means the course of life. Now I have a few questions. I have a few questions that I'm going to ask you regarding the kingdom of God. Now these are questions about your journey. Have I considered the cost of following Jesus, number one. What is Jesus telling me to leave and turn my back on? Number two. Are there comforts holding me back in my walk with Christ? Number three. What do I tend to lean on on times of trouble? Number five. I oh, said that was number four. Number five. This is a big one. This is all regarding kingdom principles. What blocks you from entering. In what do I base my future on? What is your future? What was Paul's future? In a short sentence, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ, he lives in me. That was Paul's future. 
Someone will say it's a boring one. But it's actually the truth. There is no greater joy than living your life for something greater than you. And that is the truth. What do I base my future on? What are your goals? What was Paul's goals? Just let it sit inside your heart. This is a big one. Am I suffering from a blended faith that is mixed with other things of the world or the flesh? If so, you must ask the Lord to reveal it to you. So the blended faith is a very big thing. And what and how does the Lord show it to you? Lord, you search me. You can't see it. The Holy Spirit shows it to you. If that call in your heart is true, Lord, you search my heart. The Holy Spirit is the one given to expose that. So a lot of people tell me, and I found it so challenging when I sit with people and I mentor them in the Holy Spirit, they tell me, I can't see where I'm going wrong. And if there's anything that wants to, if you anything that wants to irritate me so bad, is that comment. Because the worst thing is walking and you can't see what's allowing you to stumble. It shows me one major thing that is wrong in a person's journey. They are distant from the Holy Spirit. And don't take this to heart, but it's the truth. They are really distant from the Holy Spirit. Because what does the Holy Spirit do? Convicts. He uproots, he cleanses, he counsels, he teaches. That's how I read it. Number seven. What worldly habits, motivations, practices continue to block you from the kingdom of God? Now, this is a big one. And I'll finish off with this one. Are you faithful to Jesus or faithful to your ideas about him? Now, whoever wants to take a photo of these, more than welcome. The last one. Are you faithful to Jesus or faithful to your ideas about him? Because that reasoning and that compromising in your own mind of who you think Jesus is will allow you to miss the true call of God over your life. So who wants to begin to operate in the kingdom of God? I'll give you a little scripture that will begin to allow you to understand how you are to operate in the kingdom of God as a body. Yes? We go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. 42. Now look here. This was the church 
a living church that practiced what Jesus wanted them to practice. Now, can I say something to you? In the last three years, I have never seen the deep fellowship of the Holy Spirit like I have in the last three years. The aching pain in my heart to sit down with people and introduce them to the Holy Spirit and how He counsels and how He mentors and how He teaches and how He helps has been something too great for me. And I've sat, I've sat in fellowships where it's a wasted time. And I've sat with people who want to hear from the Holy Spirit. They've got benefited from that. But I can't tell you where I am now with the Lord. Every situation, I want it to be for the Holy Spirit. And that means, that means people of the same mind are sitting, ready to hear what He wants to say. Now, for the body of Christ or the church, this is how, this is the role model of how Jesus wants us to operate. Look here what they did here. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and in the breaking of bread, and in prayer. Now, God's slowly introducing to us these methods. But it shows you that when we are gathering together, when we are gathering together, we are to be in the attitude of receiving, in the attitude of expectation for the Holy Spirit to come. <clears throat> we are to be in the expectation. So when the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit does come, people are fed, people are guided. And the Holy Spirit has done what He wanted to do. So, for the people here, we are beginning now to operate in the kingdom of God. You have to train yourself now to, to be a person who's allowing the Holy Spirit to be attracted to you. When you sit down, He wants to take the meeting. Or when you sit down, it's for things that He's not interested in. It's simple, simple teaching, but it's the truth. When we gather here at 6 o'clock, the Holy Spirit begins to work with the ones, the twos, as a body. But He wants us to be in our own home. He wants us to be in our own home like this, because it really begins in your own home. The Holy Spirit wants to enter first your heart, but your own home, the people around you, and he wants you to get familiar with him. So begin to think about this. And train yourself up in this way. Are your meetings, are your meetings, your gatherings, a place where the Holy Spirit can come? Or he's not welcome in that place? Think about it. Every person here, the Holy Spirit wants to come. But he wants to be invited. He doesn't force himself in. So for the probably the f last three to four years, when we sit down in fellowship, it's been so beautiful. And I can't tell you, 90% of the things that I'm learning now are the things that I've heard and not read. So he can help you in this area. But are you, are you 
opening yourself for the Holy Spirit. And those questions that I read you now, that's what blocks you from entering that dimension. So we go to Philippians, chapter 3, verse 8. Look at his attitude of him overcoming the world and having a heart for Jesus. Now, it's thousands of people have read the scripture, but look at the attitude that he's reached for the sake of being a true follower of Christ. Now, the things of the world, they may do you something in your heart in regards to give you comfort, give you a sense of security, give you a sense of peace. But look what the level of Paul, of where he walked, and what he felt in his heart regarding the world. And look what he called it. Now, a person can say that I can speak this scripture, but is that what you actually feel? Because I learned something, that when I'm speaking to Christ, I want every word that's going to come out of my mouth, that's going to be truth. And in this sense, I told him the truth, that there are things in my heart that still belongs to the world. There are things in my heart that still the world gives me that Christ hasn't given me. And you know what that's allowed the Holy Spirit to do? Work in that dimension of truth. Because after all, Jesus is interested in the truth inside of your heart. He said, yet indeed, I also count all things a loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now this is a person who's been disciplined by the Lord, but look at the attitude that he reached. Now I challenge you in a, in a sense, humbly, is that how you feel towards the world? Is that how you feel towards money? Is that how you feel towards the system of the world? Now if someone read this scripture, they would look at Paul as an extremist. Really? I see with people, they think I'm an extremist. Someone said to me many months ago, you know, you know, like church is not enough. Someone said to me many months ago, church is not enough for me. I said, how can I help you? Um, and, I, and they said, look, we want to sit with you more. Like, I said, okay. So the second week they said again, church is not enough for me. We want to sit with you more. I said, okay. I meet me at my house next week. I prayed in the Holy Spirit for two hours or three hours. The second week they came. The third week they didn't come anymore. And you know what that shows me? They don't want to get familiar with the Holy Spirit. Forget about me as a person. The one who knows you is the Holy Spirit. The one who unlocks your heart is the Holy Spirit. The one who works with your faith is the Holy Spirit. 
And there's no one better than him speaking, than any man giving you advice or wisdom. That's how I treat the Holy Spirit. Because no one knows you like the Holy Spirit. So when I pray in the Holy Spirit, I'm waiting for him to speak to guide you. All I'm doing is being a vessel for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Forget about the person who's given it. I'm just trying to allow you to understand what the Holy Spirit has been given on earth to do. And it's his job is to teach you about Jesus. But first he has to teach you about your own heart. And that's where pride is crushed. That's when your ego is crushed. That's where all the places that you had a sense of security and comfort and direction, it begins to disappear. So I encourage you to understand that the kingdom, it comes at a cost. And that means that everything that you thought you know, when you bring it to Christ, he'll begin to change that for you. Are you actually willing? Are you actually willing? Because that's when it became so challenging. The Lord, I will follow you. Lord, I will follow you. And that's when they couldn't. That's when the line was divided of who is a true follower of Christ and who is just speaking words. That's how, the, that's how Jesus discerned the true believer or the false believer. It was against the kingdom. Because the kingdom tells you now it's not about you, it's about other people. It's about Jesus being your master. It's about him now. It's not about you. So a person who doesn't go after the kingdom, it's still about them. So bless you all. And I encourage you to understand now, we are entering a place where God's kingdom wants to manifest. What stands in the gap? is the world, is your own flesh. And you begin to see there are two forms of commitment. Yeah, when I finish. You begin to see, you begin to see what stands in the way. The system of the world, my own possessions, meaning I have a thing going where I want to do it my way. That's why I ask people every time, did you hear from God? No, don't do anything. Did you hear from God? No, don't do anything. I better not talk to this man. You know why? Because the voice doesn't only guide you, it actually protects you. If you know that, he is the one who protects you. Protects what? He's interested in one thing, to protect your own heart. Because he knows how evil the flesh is. And how deceptive he wants to take you to follow your own path. So we'll pray. You can sit down. You can stay seated down. I pray for you sitting down.
today I'm only praying for new people. But when you sit down, I'll pray for each one of you. I want you to sit and just learn from this teaching. You know what this shows me? The scriptures that I just read shows me one thing, not to speak in your own strength. All those scriptures tells you that the flesh speaks out of his own strength. Lord, I'll follow you. Lord, I'll do whatever you want. Lord, I'll die for you. It shows me one major principle. You know what it is? Don't say anything but prepare me, Lord. Do you understand that? The Holy Spirit showed me from that title. He shows me the greatest statement of pride. He speaks before the Holy Spirit speaks. You see that? That's the problem with the church today. They speak before He speaks. That's why I learned a mystery in my journey. When He speaks, it's a given to me. If he doesn't speak, continue to worship him. Work on your heart. Be obedient to him. And wait for his instruction. You know, that's what it shows me. That the greatest statement of pride, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do. I'll even die for you. Lord, I'll follow you. That's good. All those statements there. A man along the way, he showed me that that man He's a fleshly man. You know what that shows me? That you have to rely on the voice. If there's one thing you can pray that it's truthful, prepare my heart, Lord. You search me. You're giving the Holy Spirit the key to begin the work and discipline in your own heart. Who has spoken like this in their own heart? And wondered why the Holy Spirit hasn't given direction yet. Because he's spoken before he spoke. And it's the truth. That's why I spend so much time fasting and praying. And sitting in his presence waiting for his instructions. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit's so sensitive. He doesn't like anyone speaking in the flesh before he speaks in humility. Have you ever thought about that? That the key to hearing the Holy Spirit is letting Him speak before you speak. Have you ever thought about that? Are you willing to not say anything? Are you willing to lose your opinion? Are you willing to lose your idea about Jesus? Because when He speaks, a thousand words you've spoken, one sentence can unlock your heart. One, one word unlocks your heart. One touch of his power unlocks you, frees you, restores you. All your behavior, all the things that you're covering up, he goes to the deepest place that no one has ever entered. And he speaks. But the issue is why people are not hearing the Holy Spirit is because they're speaking before him. 
when you go to the house of God, let your words be few. Go rather to listen than to offer the sacrifice of fools. That is the truth. So when I go to the throne of God, where there is mercy and grace and help, I go to listen. I speak my heart, confess whatever I have to, and I listen. And the Holy Spirit shows me that how I've been planning that idea of how Jesus is going to work for my life, he starts to plan the right way. So this is the key. Are you speaking before him? Because we have a tendency of always telling him the idea we have how he's going to answer us or how he's going to direct us or he, how he's going to guide us. The Holy Spirit, a dove, so sensitive, so peaceful, he comes to a place that is quiet. I encourage you to understand this. All those peoples that Jesus asked to follow him, they always replied something. So let's pray. We thank you, Jesus. We love you and worship you, Lord. And we give you all the glory. I pray, Lord, that in your presence, by the Holy Spirit, that our words can be few, so we can hear what the Spirit of God has to say. Thank you. We love you, Lord. And there, if there is anything we value, Lord, it's your Holy Spirit. See, when you value the Holy Spirit so much, you won't.